There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Wow, what a weekend for the minor version of rugby union. No, not a weekend. What a week! What a week! Well, last weekend with the women's and midweek for the men's tournament and the Olympic sevens. Exactly. Uh, tiny bit one-sided. We'll get into that and lots more. But before we do, let's put our, put our hands in. Pod on three. One, two, three. One, pod. two, three. Oh, hello, Tim. Pod. <laughs> oh, hi, Tim. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, Give yeah, it. yeah. Maybe you should explain my uh, Well, I will. Let, let me introduce the show first, Tim, and, and then uh, we'll get into it. Okay, mate, you crack on. Pod on three. One, two, three. Pod. Pod. Hello, and welcome to the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. I'm JB, joined by Phil. Hello, JB. But don't worry, because Tim is also here, but you know that because he pitched him before. Hello, Tim. <laughs> Hello, JB. Hi, Phil. Oh, he just can't get involved quickly enough. <laughs> Do you know where I, I'm, uh, I'm in the Cotswolds in Stroud, just outside Gloucester, um, I'm having a little bit of family time, but also I think I've been I've been attracted to this part of the world after seeing that Gloucester stash that was unveiled. Oh, so nearly right, isn't it? It's so nearly right. It's not bad. It's not bad at all. It, oh, it's um, B plus for F. Well, B plus all round. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a recovering drug addict. They're not quite there yet, but they've stopped using. You know, they're getting clean. <laughs> I think just a couple more years. Got coin. Yeah. Just a couple more years, and that tag will be saying two years sober. What what fault could you find with it then, JB? Well, I don't think the shirts fit quite nicely enough. Yeah, I'd go for that. So if you look at the Leicester one, they're very nicely tight, tight fitting. And the other thing is, it's not navy; it's black. The shorts, you mean? Yeah. Yes. Now the shorts are as last year's; that very short. As short as God intended, I, th- I feel. Yes. Because they're rugby league shorts. It's X-Blades, which is a rugby league manufacturer, so the shorts are extra short, which is yes. wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. But they're not quite black. They're, they're dark. Sorry, they're not quite dark blue. They're black. Yeah, it's not quite a sharp enough look. But do you know what is a sharp enough, uh, sharp enough look? <laughs> Go on, JB. Oh, Cornerstone Razors. Oh, wow. Exactly. That's why they pay me the big bucks. Cornerstone, they are a sponsor. They they have supported us. You've supported them. And they are basically a, well, mail order service where you get high quality German precision engineered razors direct to your door for as little as £4. Well, initial, initially starting at £4 a month. Uh, you can try them out. No obligation, no long term contracts. And they just arrive at your door. That's, that's, that's the price of a pint, JB. That's one pint. 
Yeah. It's, uh, it's less than one pint. Well, depending yeah. where you're drinking. I mean, you know, you, you and your media types in the hoi polloi bars that you visit, that's probably half a pint. <laughs> Espresso martini will be double that. <laughs> <laughs> and you get your, uh, of course, you get your free precision engineered engraved shaft. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I recommend JB, but you may use others. And to yeah. get this deal, it's just uh, forward, is it forward slash egg chasers? cornerstone.co.uk forward slash egg chasers or egg ten at checkout yes there we go nailed that um, right shall we talk about the sevens then I mean that's probably the biggest news of just before we get into that can I give you my favourite iTunes review of the week oh, oh yeah. Yeah, can please. you uh, this is um, one from uh, two actually one quick one short one one longer one one short one from Gerthro who says as intriguing as a wizard wearing <laughs> wearing a fox england australia tour yep <laughs> and rugby tragic uh, gave us a, a five-star review on itunes as well and says it's similar to the pre and post-match chat you have with your mates which is actually very hard to do so compliments and then says plus you get to find out what's happening with Stuart lancaster the mindfulness and culture coach <laughs> Oh, yeah. And actually, we've got an update on Mr. Lancaster this week, haven't we? Oh, we do. But sevens, yeah, we should start with the sevens, absolutely. Okay, so uh, what's everyone thought of the sevens so far? Um, Well, uh, shall we briefly touch on the women's game? Because I was was very impressed with the overall standard of the women's sevens. It's hard not to sound patronising when you say that, Phil, but I completely agree. Yeah, I I really... I don't mean to sound patronising at all. Um... They were, I was very, very impressed um, all round by the, the skill, the speed, um, the agility and the endurance, all, all the kind of uh, key attributes that you need. Um, it was just a really high standard tournament and England going in there as one of the favourites uh, didn't even get a medal at the end of it. They, they lost to Canada in the mm. bronze place playoff and the final Australia, New Zealand, Australia were quality because New Zealand had looked brilliant all tournament, particularly with um, McAllister, Luke McAllister's sister in there controlling the ball, calling all the shots. They look really, really good. So Australia did very, very well t- to uh, to take the gold. It was a top, it was a top effort, and I completely agree with you about the standard. It was, uh, and I think on that stage, and we saw from the the fact that that Fiji after the men's final were the number one trending topic in the world on Twitter that uh, there was a lot of eyeballs on the game that wouldn't normally be, and I think it's been an absolutely massive success all round. But the women's game will get a, a big boost after this, I'm sure. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, I didn't really see much of the women's game. Okay. The bits I did see, I was impressed by parts of it, not the whole thing. A little disappointed that tactics like, you know, just kick it as far as you can and chase it as, fa- as fast as you can worked uh, a couple of times. I don't think there's as big a gap, and this is where it gets controversial, I don't think there's as big a gap from top-end women's 15 to top-end women's 7s. I think there's a much bigger gap, top-end men's 15s to men's top-end 7s. Well, that's a very interesting point, because a lot of the uh, England women's 15 squad um, actually didn't play in the Six Nations this year because they were preparing for Rio. Ah. So they took a lot of their top players, like uh, Emily Scarrett has been one of the best players for England 15s for a number of years. Um, she's captains both sides and she's been taken out 
um, alongside girls like Heather Fisher and Claire Allen um, and multiple others. Yeah, I think that's probably it because it's laughable to think that the New Zealand side are the seven best players in New Zealand. I mean, they, <laughs> they, I don't even think they're in the top 50 players in New Zealand. They might be, but I doubt it. Well, virtually none of them get into any of the Super Rugby teams. So, yeah. so there's a uh, hundred plus players. Yeah, so it's it's a very peculiar one. I, I know seven aficionados are going to say, "Well, it's a completely different sport." Only to a certain degree is it a completely different sport. Now, if the money isn't the same as the Super Rugby money, then you can ex- expect to get a lesser caliber of player. I think that both uh, Australia and New Zealand would have been far better off by dumping this practice of not picking 15s players and actually, you know, swallowing their pride a bit and take and well, taking some players. Like they, they did pick a few 15s players, but the problem Australia is Australia didn't. Uh, Australia got rid. Of, I mean, you couldn't well, possibly say that that team would have been worse off. No, they had they they tried Quade Cooper and they yeah. tried Henry Spate and they tried the Honey Badger, but none of them could make the grade. And that's the problem. You can't just transition from one to the other unless you are a seriously special player like Leon Nakarawa or Sonny Bill or Cub or Cubby Boy or Cubby Boy. Yeah, but Sonny Sonny Bill Sonny Bill is not a great sevens player. No, he's not. But I'm just not. I'm not accepting the premise that those three players that you mentioned for Australia were not good enough after watching the Australian performance. Oh, I saw Quade Cooper playing. He was definitely not good enough. But the, the problem is, he could have been good enough if he'd have played a full years of sevens. The problem is, they're trying to s- squeeze them in in sh- such short space. I think six months of sevens would be fine. Or a long training camp would have been fine for the, the talent of Quade Cooper's standard. Well, Quade Cooper had months, months and months, and he was awful. He was god-awful. I, mean, I understand. I do understand... Someone like Hayne not getting into Fiji because they, you know, I'm not sure you can improve on that team much more. But the other two big uh, Southern Hemisphere teams, they definitely, definitely should have gone for some more 15 talent. Can I I just make an observation? Uh, For those detractors that were complaining about our our lack of rugby outside of the Aviva Premiership in England uh, and Six Nations, we have not only talked about Southern Hemisphere rugby, we've talked about Southern Hemisphere Sevens women's rugby. <laughs> Just now to open up the podcast. There you go. Uh, the, the best part of the Sevens, right, was how good the other countries were. I thought, and again, I'm not going to be popular with this, I thought Great Britain were pretty rubbish, being, being frank. They were. Well, do you remember last, on last week's podcast? It was pointed out to me several times this week. Uh, <laughs> Mate, you were right, quote, you were right. Team GB won't do anything at these Olympic Games. That was me this time. And the amazing thing is, they got to a final, Tim, and you were right, they didn't do anything. They didn't even score a point against uh, Argentina. Argentina, nil-nil sevens game. (laughs) Nil-nil. GB, it's an incredible achievement to to finish second and get silver, but I do feel they were lucky in, in in pretty much every single game. So they sneaked past Japan by two points when Japan had a kick to draw in the last second. They almost threw it away against a very weak New Zealand team. They only just beat uh, Argentina in sudden death yep. and then only just snuck past South Africa when they scored a try from a forward pass and South Africa had a try disallowed because of a forward pass. Yeah. So they were very lucky to get there, but f- fair play because it was such a good standard and it was so so tight in all the games, apart from every game featuring Fiji, because Fiji were just... Unreal. Uh, I mean, for GBs get there, every star, planet, satellite, and asteroid had to align in exactly the right way, <laughs> and somehow it did. So, so I tweeted just before the final. Uh, anyone else? Come on, I basically said, come on. Anyone else secretly want Fiji to win? 
Because of the context that it would have been the country's, not just the team's, but the country's first ever medal, let alone gold medal, at an Olympic Games. And due to the backdrop of um, the the lack of resources, money, etc., that uh, that Fiji have compared to richer, far richer nations. But that's not true, though, is it, Tim? Because they've got like one of the best sevens coaches in the world. Yeah, but they, they didn't pay him for like three months. Yeah, but five five months you didn't get paid for the first five months he worked there. Oh, but you heard about but Ben Ryan bought sevens to Fiji, didn't he? He actually. <laughs> He actually founded the game of sevens in Fiji. <laughs> That's what I thought. Well, here's, here's some of Ben Ryan's, uh, in, in an article before the Olympic Games, um, Ben Ryan didn't get paid for the first five months. On his first week in the job, the team couldn't afford petrol for the team bus to get him around. Or wow. to, to get water to serve in practice. Bearing in mind that you go to LA what? and all the celebs drink Fiji water. They couldn't even get water <laughs> to serve in training. Players learned to play when they were growing up. A lot of the players told stories to the press about learning to play with plastic bottles full of water or coconuts and using roundabouts for patches of grass in order to play on. And players only earned £5,000 UK money to play for Fiji leading up to these uh, Olympic sevens. And most of them have other jobs. Uh, They're either unemployed to focus on the rugby or they have other jobs as prison wardens, army officers, policemen. It's... um, and even the prime minister of the country was the person who announced the twelve-man squad. It's amazing, an unbelievable story. Just quickly, uh, do you remember the fly half, Nicky Little? Yeah, yeah. Well, he did an interview for the World Cup when Wales lost to Fiji, um, and he was saying some of the players there were amazed because they'd never been in a lift. Wow! Wow! <laughs> it's just it is it is that sort of thing. But no, I think Ben Ryan has been paid fair, fairly well for this. I I don't know. I'm not too sure. He's not gone out there for the money, has he? He's gone out no. there for the love of it. Mm. He has. I mean, if you there was an amazing article. I think I brought it up before a few months ago. But uh, Ben Ryan said that he had six years uh, as England sevens coach and had all the resources, had all the money and was frustrated by it and fell out of love with the game and, and going to Fiji has reignited his, his passion and his love from the game. So how, um, I'm just confused. How did Fiji get this team around the seventh circuit, fly them everywhere, make them stay everywhere? They, they must have some funding. I don't believe this. Well, they, they do. They do. Their, their overall squad funding for the, for, the, for the last calendar year has been, I think, about one-sixth of the amount of most teams. What? So they'll they'll get flights, won't they? But that that presumably will be covered by World Rugby flights and accommodation, and then everything else will be on on them. Like some of the stuff reading about how they were training uh, in the build up to this when they were in Fiji, n- n- most of the time they didn't have didn't have access to a gym. They were doing um, hill running on beaches, that kind of stuff, um, and playing a lot of rugby on the beach because that that those were the only facilities they had access to. Wow. But I, what I love about Ben Ryan, when you, and retrospectively, having seen the gold medal and everything, the, the philosophy that he had, Ben Ryan, and I, I was lucky enough to be coached by Ben Ryan for a brief period when I was a young player at Newbury. And um, and this rings true, what he says now, to how he used to coach us in his very first coaching job. He's, his philosophy, he said, is thicker, play, uh, thicker playbooks equals thicker players. Oh, wow. Ah, that's interesting. Yeah, so he he's all about the general philosophy, identifying space, giving power on the field to players. But he really controls with a with an iron fist off the pitch. He has calipers out all the time, testing body fat, and he'll just cut players from the squad if they're 
their slack or drop too much in training. So he's um. Well, yeah. I've got a question for you then. Um, we all know that you can't win a game of rugby union now without a good culture. I mean, that's a, that's a fact, isn't it? If you don't put your tape in the bin, <laughs> it's over. But for sevens, it seems there's something weird going on, doesn't there? Because not only did New Zealand have a great culture, I mean, one of the best, they had such a good culture, they reinvented their hacker and it was written by school children when they went on a community outreach programme. <laughs> I mean, you don't get much better culturally than that. But they lost. Yeah. So I'm wondering now, is praying the new culture? Is praying going to replace putting tape in the bin? <laughs> Do you know what? Do you know what I think the 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 culture of the, the Fijian side? I mean, obviously they're massive men who are who are physically they've got physical attributes and they've they've got their ten thousand hours of handling the ball in you know in, in whatever situation when they were growing up. Like much like you know Brazilian footballers who've just done nothing but kick a football since they were kids. Yeah, you, you can. You, there's all the physical attributes. I get that, but. When you actually look at what it meant to those players, I think that's where the culture comes from. Um, the guys said they, they've loads of the players involved said, "Yeah, we've turned down um, lucrative uh, contracts with, you know, uh, fifteen aside sides in Europe, but um, this is this is history. This is this is becoming a part of Fijian folklore." Mm. Um, and you saw what it meant afterwards. That the the way they knelt and clapped in front of the the royalty was it Princess Anne? Yeah, Princess Anne for the medals. I mean, apparently that's the ultimate sign of res- of respect in Fiji, and how emotional they were. The song they sang together, players crying. Well, I mean, just I loved him. it. What song was that? Oh, it, it wasn't the song that you're thinking of, but um... <laughs> was it? <laughs> they sang, was they it this song? Was it this song, Tim? <laughs> Now, if you don't know what we're listening to, this is a song about Ben Ryan by Babu Morley. This came out this week. Am I right, Tim? Oh, no. Oh, no it's, it's been out a while. Yeah. Oh, has it? It's been out a little while. <laughs> Everyone! Ben Ryan! <laughs> Like a lion, Ben Ryan. What a song, eh? <laughs> this isn't the best part of the Olympics. I don't know what is. That's <laughs> so good. Ben Ryan never cries. Actually, nice he does. He does. He's, I've seen him cry. They mix in a bit of him in the huddle. Ben Ryan. Ben Ryan. <laughs> I love the rolling of the R for Ben Ryan. Ben Ryan. <laughs> You're really enjoying this, JB. Like a ra- Ben Ryan. That's brilliant. It is brilliant. That is. If that's not the best part of the Olympics, well, <laughs> we're done. The final. Oh, shall we, no, shall we, it was fantastic. I loved it. Shall we briefly talk about the final? Yeah, the, the, the absolute oh. massacre. Now, yeah. It it really was. When when your team when feed you five five tries to nil up by half time in a ten minute game. This reminds me of like playing the beer cup in 
Do you know when you go to Social Sevens yeah. and there's one team cheating and, and you're yeah. a bit hungover and you get battered by 50 points? You've got one team who should be in like the professional uh, tier of competition yeah. and they enter themselves in the, the beer cup. If it's the boxing match, it would have been stopped within the first round. Yeah. But it was... So it's really interesting watching Fiji play because they will take contact, but they will never kill the ball. They'll never allow the ball to die. So they'll take contact and then offload... Mm. And it almost doesn't matter where that offload goes. They'll make sure they keep the ball alive, and it can go to ground. They'd rather throw the ball behind them, the ball goes to ground, uh, so someone else can pick it up and continue the move, then form a rook. And they were doing this so effectively against England because people like uh, Mata and Nakarawa um, and Tuisova, when he came on, were taking contact. It was taking two Englishmen to stop them, and then they were offloading. So you're getting every single time two Englishmen on the deck with one Fijian on the deck, and it was just try after try after try. They were so much better. Uh, I mean, the the real injustice was South Africa didn't get to the final because they were clearly the second best sevens team, and they were still miles away from where oh, Fiji yeah. were. Yeah, miles away. Definitely. Yeah, they they were a bit unlucky. I want to give a little mention. We've already touched on him. Cobby Boy became a bit of a favourite through that tournament. It was yep. cool that he, he thanked Warren Gatlin for not selecting him for the Wales squad so he could play. Uh, but the best quote I had on uh, Cobby Boy, James Davies. Uh, so Gatland has um, dressed up not picking Cobby Boy as a favour. Is that is that how I'm meant to read this? <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> but James Davies, uh, the best quote I saw was, better turnovers than Google's end-of-year accounts. Oh, very nice, very nice. I liked it. Well, a bit, bit of a quick bit of trivia for you, Tim. Who was the best British player in Rio this week? Uh, rugby player. Rugby player. Best British rugby player in Rio this week. Uh, I don't know. It sounds like a trick question, but I don't know. It's genuine. He's there. Uh. Go on. George North, of course. Oh, of course. <laughs> I, I stayed up and watched all, all of it last night. I saw him, yeah. I didn't know he was going out with a cyclist. Neither yeah. did I. Becky, Becky Rebecca J- James. I was like, yeah. why is Rebecca James kissing Louis Pickamoles? Uh, oh, no, it's not. It's George North. <laughs> he, well, you can tell from George North's own physique, he's a man who appreciates some good quad action. So uh, Definitely. Yeah, yeah, no one knew he was a cyclist. cyclist. I bet he's a very fast cyclist. Well, um, thank you. Jonathan Davis, JD2, was there as well. He was he was in Rio. Oh, oh what was, was his brother? Yeah, and um, I saw a few tweets from the Honey Badger, who was out there as well. Not George North. The only person that could beat George North at the moment, I'd say, is if Itoji showed up. <laughs> Do you see, you've been a bit critical of the last year of George North. Oh no, not really. He's just not. Well, Wales haven't been so good, have they? So he hasn't been been so good. And Northampton weren't great last yeah, year. Yeah, no, though he's still a great player. Uh, as a number eight, yeah, well, yeah, as a number eight. Well, um, I, is anyone else ridiculously excited about Louis Pickamoles? By the way, yes, I, I'm oh my so. God, yeah. It's one of the few things that I think about con- continuously all, all day. <laughs> In fact, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm getting the inside scoop tomorrow. From hopefully, uh, we're interviewing. Who are we interviewing? Um, massive prop. This is embarrassing. Kieran Brook. Kieran Brooks. And I think most of it will be about what is Louis Pickamoles like in real life. <laughs> Uh, you've, you've also got to ask him about his uh, turn on Coronation Street. Oh, absolutely. But more about Louis Pickamore's, like how does he smell, that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. I get that. Like, um, when, when Walking Dead's on the on the TV, because uh, I love that show, I, I, will reg- I will daydream pretty constantly about 
what I would do in the event of a zombie apocalypse in whatever situation I'm in. Well, you've got to be prepared, um, Tim. What would you do, Tim? I'm interested to know. I th- I, I've thought about this. I think Lake District, there's lakes for water source and it's, it's remote and it's not too far from Manchester. It's, it's doable. Yeah, I'm thinking I'd go to North Wales. North Wales. I'm going to go Northern Scotland. Mm. L- long old drive, though. Oh, is, is there just one bridge across to Anglesey? There's two bridges, mate. Two bridges. Yeah, well, there you go. They can only get across by bridge. That's that's a great shout. Get to Anglesey. So get over to Anglesey, take a load of explosives with you, and then blow up the, the bridges. <laughs> Safety. Yes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, do that. But anyway, no, but the point is, <laughs> uh, n- now rugby season, that's when Walking Dead's on the telly. Now the rugby season is getting closer. Yes, I just daydream about Louis Pickamore. Oh, nothing, <laughs> nothing gets me excited. I'm... Even when the sport is on, I'm not as excited as I am at this stage stage of the year. So what, we're midway through August now. We've got the football kicking off, which is, you know, I don't particularly like the football, but it's a sign that rugby is close. And yes. we've, we've got some pre-season games starting. Yeah, so, you know, the, like the centre's in the air. The, the NFL teams are starting to warm up. I love September so much. I can't tell you how much I love September. <laughs> Well, so what? So so sevens. We'll move on from sevens then. Well, do you want to briefly stick with sevens? Because last week we were supposed to do our continue our sevens team of fifteens players. Oh, of course we were. Why? Where did we get up to on that? We completed the back row. Okay. Uh, No, sorry, we completed scrum half. Yes. And did we not do it last week? We didn't do it last week. We didn't do fly half. Well, with the sevens been all the way, do you want to even continue? Eh, Yeah, we've only got like three weeks. Go on, Phil. Why don't you? Why don't you just take it and rattle through? Me and JB all chip in. Okay, so yeah, we've got three weeks, fly halves, uh, centres, and then outside backs, let's call it. Fire away. So as I said um, about two weeks ago, the super rugby fly halves at the moment, you could probably make a sevens team just out of them. If you just had uh, Bowden Barrett, Elton Yantes, uh, Nicolas Sanchez, Lima Sapoanga, Richie Moonga, Aaron Cruden... Just those boys are a pretty handy sevens sevens team. I would probably look... Oh, and, and Damian McKenzie as well. Oh, yeah, good. Hang on, isn't he not more of a fullback? He's been playing fullback, but I believe his, his preferred position is fly half. I've never seen him play fly half, because he Because he's behind uh, Cruden. Aaron Cruden. You need, he, he, he does all the kicking, though. Why have you missed out Stephen Donald? Uh, well, he played 12 <laughs> a couple of times. <laughs> um, uh, the only ones I would add to that, really, are... Cipriani Sippers Cipriani and Ford actually Sippers Yeah Sippers and Ford uh, Wales no Scotland Finn Russell's interesting Finn Russell definitely considered uh, I think yeah, I think years back James Hook could have made an awesome sevens player he I think James Hook played at the Commonwealth He did play sevens uh, ah. about, Was it about when when did um, Matthew Tate play at the Commonwealth Was it about 2000 and f- 2006 maybe Yes, that's right. When Matthew Tate looked like he's going to take over the world, just after, just after he looked like he was about to take over the world. Yep. Um, then, so yeah, Hook was the only one I had from Wales. Finn would, Russell is he? Got, oh, no, Finn no, Russell, no, no, yeah, kind of, maybe. Kind uh, I, of. I would, I'd consider him. If you want fast fly halves, Harlequins, ex OGC boy James Lang. Hear me now, believe me later. The, uh, this boy this year is going to do very very well, and he's well. Rapid. He played he played very well in the singer sevens se- in the sing sing sevens. Yeah, he did. Uh, I think I, I think he got a couple of tries in the group stages. Yeah, there yeah. there is one guy you need to watch out for from Quinns. By the way, he's been playing at Hartbury College, and he's 19 years of age. 
is an unbelievable unit on the wing, Jonas Mikalshus. Oh, the is he Lithuanian? Uh, but, like oh, uh, yes, he's East, think... Eastern European, isn't he? He's a yeah. big. He played in the sevens. Good, yeah. big boy. Uh, nice. Hugo Monia was raving about him on on BT Sport. He oh. looks lean and mean. Yes. Oh, oh good. Um, yeah. uh, the only the only one from Ireland that I'd consider is probably um, Madigan. Madigan's nice steppy, isn't he? But with top end speed, I don't know. And also JJ Hanrahan. Not so much him. Do you not reckon? What about not what about really. the um, what about the New York cop Lazowski? Oh yes, Lazowski could do a job. I've heard he's fast, but I've never seen him play. I've seen him play like bits. Um, I've seen he enough of him. Scored some out audacious tries yeah. last, last year. I think he could play. I, I really think JJ Hanrahan. Some of his remember his try about two or three seasons ago for Munster in the dying seconds of a Champions Cup game against. I think it was against Perpignan. And he mm, that's fair. stepped and gassed from about 50 yards. Mm, okay, that's fair. I'll let, mm. I'll let you have him. And then the only other one, uh, he played more sevens. In, in fact, he's uh, the all-time top point scorer in international rugby sevens, but he played fly half when he did play 15s. When he went to Tigers? No. And Red Roof? Uh, no, he okay. went to Quinns and Doncaster, I believe. Quinns and Doncaster? Yeah. Fly off, went to Quinns and Doncaster. Yeah. Oh, all, all time, surely you know the all time world rugby top point scoring sevens player. I thought Gollings. That, I thought that would have been Sarevi. No, Tim's got it. Who? Ben Gollings. Oh, very good. Okay, fine. Very good, Tim. Yes. So that's it. We probably missed a few people there. Yeah, of course. But let us know. Um, that's a pretty tidy team. So we'll do centres and then back three. Yes. Um, I was gonna, I was gonna bring something up. Then I've just completely brain farted. Lancaster Watch, my favourite segment of every show. Oh right, yes. He's been <laughs> quiet for a few weeks, hasn't he, as Stuart Lancaster? Yeah. We, well, I, I, we, we thought maybe he to. had an actual proper job for a minute because <laughs> he'd gone quiet. Um, but have you seen what Stuart Lancaster's been up to? Well, actually, I haven't. So I'm really looking forward to this. I have no idea what Stuart Lancaster has been up to. I, okay, can I guess? Is it going to be something embarrassing, like? He's been invited to speak at, like, lawn bowls, something about culture. Or do, like, one of these jobs, which is a non-job, like, he shows up on the doorstep of a Quinns and, and they let him in for half an hour to speak to the players and they usher him out so they can carry on training normally. Give him a bowl of soup and send him on his way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm have thinking. You see, have you seen Phil? I have, Tim. I have. Why don't you talk us through it? Okay, so he's been spending a bit of time all over the, all over the world and he's found himself in New Zealand latterly. Okay. And he is helping counties Manukau. I'm sorry for the pronunciation, anyone from that part of the world. Um, he's helping them prepare for their upcoming Mitre 10 Cup Premiership campaign. Um, so it's quite, it's, it's sort of like, um, it's the equivalent of probably like National One. Does anyone else have a feeling there's a book coming? Uh another book I think there's a book around the corner you know because he's doing all this stuff around the world gaining all this experience now is it going to be a book for you and I I don't know House of Lancaster 2 something like that maybe not but I've got a feeling there's a co- coaching manual you know going through he's going through the motions of building it because he's well, everywhere 
Well, well, here's what he said on this little thing. He said, I'm here to pass on what I've learned on and off the field in terms of building a long-term, high-performance team and help out in terms of game plan and defensive systems. I've coached England nearly 50 times, so I think I can pass on a bit of the co- a bit to the coaching staff here. Um, uh, he said, the under-20s World Cup has demonstrated that England has narrowed the gap to New Zealand, um, but he still th- he still thinks they've got an advantage down there due to the number of children that play the game. Right. Um, yep, so yep. is the under-20s World Cup, I guess it is kind of related to him? Uh, in his previous role. Yeah. yeah. I don't think yeah. that's unfair. No, no, I don't. I do like the... Um, I've coached England nearly 50 times, like he has to keep reminding people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I came second he said, in the... Another quote, though. He said, I don't think I'll be coaching in Super Rugby next season because there isn't going to be the opportunity. So I'll wait and see what turns up. I've got lots of projects to get on with when I get back to England. He doesn't mention a coaching manual, but maybe... That's I'm certain about. of it, you know. I'm absolutely certain of it. Yeah, he said, he said he... he he would like a full-time job back in rugby, whether that's in France, a different international team, or the Southern Hemisphere. He's very open-minded. Ed, anything. Just give me Ed, a job. Please. Do you know where I think he's going to be good? I, I, obviously a school. I mean, that's his, his first port of call should be to go to a school and run the PE department. <laughs> Failing that, <laughs> this is where I think he'd be very good. I think he should go to France because they've got loads of money. They've got no structure. You know, if you but, talk to anyone that's playing in France, it's night and day between what you get in the Premiership or Super Rugby and the structures they have there. So if you had like an overarching role and didn't really interfere with you know with the tactics of rugby, yeah. I think he could be very successful. He's a glorified kind of comb putter outer. Yes, I think so. Well, no, he's more the guy that writes the manual of how to put the cones down. Ah, uh, yes. You know, different techniques: the spin technique, the walking backwards technique. Yeah. You know, he'll he'll look into that, but he won't really look into you know how to pick your best centres. Yes. So oh oh, um, I'm going to share a quick story with you. Go Ready? On. So Sam Burgess, um, <laughs> have you heard about the? Have you heard about the presentation, Tim? Have, have I told you this? Yes, yes, yes. Well, I was speaking to some to somebody else this week who was present in the Sam Burgess presentation, and there's a key detail of it which I need to share with you all. After the so, pre- so do you want to just give us a brief introduction to the pre- the presentation? All right. So the presentation, right, is apparently before Sam Burgess was signed to Bath, Bath was second in the league, and uh, Mike Ford gave a presentation on how Sam Burgess is going to change Bath into a European powerhouse, and it's effectively a PowerPoint slide with a couple of videos and pictures of Sam playing rugby league, and at the end. Mike stood up and gave himself a standing ovation for the presentation. (laughs) (laughs) I hope it's true. I hope it's true. Uh, (laughs) We we should do that in our... (laughs) Was was he trying to do that thing where, in a film, when there's a pause, and then one person starts clapping slowly... Someone else joins in, and before you know it, everyone's on their feet. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, Sam's coming. <laughs> I mean, what do you do? Do you know when like someone claps inappropriately, a, a speech at a wedding or something, like in the wrong in the wrong interval, and some then some people stop, then other people stop, and it's just oh, it's horrible, <laughs> horrible. Like, oh, that's funny. Well, I'm thinking of d- building my own presentation, uh, Sam Burgess' presentation, and, and putting it somewhere so people can buy, like on iTunes or something. 
<laughs> Two pounds for, a pound for your own Sam Burgess presentation. I would love to. I'd love to see that presentation. I'd love to get a hold of the original copy. Yeah, if there's anyone out there, to, I'd love to see the sarcastic Amazon reviews that people would write about that presentation. <laughs> I think I can sell a fire. Yeah, I might even just put it up for free, and you can download it. Hey, have you seen the um? There's uh, Bath. Well, you just mentioned Bath. Bath are having a busy few days potentially. I, I heard we, this off you guys today, uh, and that's it. So, yeah, so rumours abound at the minute that uh, Leroy Houston is probably going to be overlooked by the Wallabies, and as such, is a bit despondent and could well be signed back to Bath, who he left months ago. Okay. Uh, Robbie Fruin from Crusaders will fill one of the centre berths we were talking about the other week that they're desperate to fill. Has Robbie Fruin played much this year? No. No. Right. So. Why Robbie Fruin then? Todd Blackadder knows him, and he's available, and he's they need they need cover. They've, we've talked already about how threadbare they are there. Right, Robbie, Robbie Fruin is unbelievably talented, but has had some um, heart issues, so he's, oh. I don't think he's played for a little while. How but, many All Blacks caps has he got? Uh, in total, yep, zero. Is he is he even New Zealand qualified? He, oh yeah, he's New Zealand qualified, but he, he's never never quite made it. Never oh. quite made the cut. Um, um, he's he's, yeah, he's 28 and he's not really played for the last couple of seasons that much. Yeah, but he's unbelievably or was unbelievably talented. He's a big boy, big, strong, uh, can play in inside centre or outside centre, as you'd expect from kind of a Crusaders yep. um, back. Go and get Ryan Crotty. That's who you, that's who they want. I, I do think that he is more a cover. Um, squad depth option there um, trying to reignite his career a little bit after injuries and issues like you said but also and there's no name being given to this so I want to try and work out who it could be they've also said um, plus an unnamed Australian international test centre oh, that's interesting actually I don't know why I said they want to get Ryan Crotty there's only four four words Johan what's it Rohan Janzi von Rensburg. Janzi von Rensburg. That, that's the only person that should begin and stop there and pay him what he wants. If you could get Ryan Crotty as well. Or get them both. Get them, yeah, get them get, both. Get them both, get them both, yeah. So go, go on to the Australian then. Australian International Centre. So, um, well, there's already two who are coming to the Premiership in Matt Tamura. Matt Tamura. And Kirtley Beale, KB. Uh Leo Leofano, I'm guessing he's not going to be signing a Bath contract anytime soon. No. No, sadly. Kurandrani, uh, presumably, again, he won't. he's only young. And he's, is he a 12? Not he, really. He's a 13. He's very, very, very talented. I would have thought the ARU would do anything they can to keep Kurandrani. Uh, what about the other guy who plays for um, the Reds, the inside centre there? Uh, not Fianga. No, there no. Is... The guy who partnered Kurandrani... Against England, whose name escapes me? Oh, oh um, Karevi. Karevi. Yeah, Karevi. He, he's not a bad player. When he plays twelve, I mean that's yeah. what they need. They need a twelve, don't they? Um, the other one could be someone like Rob Horn, who yeah. who has played internationally for Australia at twelve and can also cover wing for the Waratahs, um, and and indeed started on the wing against England. Yeah. So hmm. if, if you, well, the only ones I could see would be Karevi or. Rob Horn, unless it's someone who's uh, not playing as much anymore. Yeah, mm. I knew that would be. Yeah, I, I would just go for. Uh, hang on, 
Johan no. Jesse von, von Ransberg, whatever his name is. Rensberg. <laughs> Just do it. We need, to, we need to come up with a catchier name. J, JV, JV, what's, what's the surname? JVR. Johan Jansi von Red. R-J-V-R. Or JVR. Or JVR. JV, uh, JV, uh, or JVR. 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 Or VJ. VJ. That's not even in the right order. Well, whatever. <laughs> Doesn't matter, does it? It's fine. Rohan. Um, d- does this lead us nicely onto a brief rugby championship preview? Or quad nations, or whatever you want to call it? Uh, yes, I guess it does. I guess it leads very nicely into that. What, uh... I haven't even looked at the first round of fixtures, if truth be told. So the first... It is this weekend, right? It is this weekend. Uh it's 11.05am on the Saturday morning, is Bledisloe I. All oh, right, so this is one the first of the trilogy, yeah? The first of the trilogy, 2016, Australia host New Zealand. Now, Western Force Awakens, oh, that was a terrible, so I could just like, delete that. Ooh, Western Force Awakens, Horrendous. no, that's good, I like yeah, that. I was, I was... <laughs> Mm. Hang on, Tim. That's mm. much better than your, some of your previous attempts. That's very good. <laughs> I like that. Oh, thanks, Jay. It's all right. Yeah, Western Force Awakens. Yeah, good. Um, I know what the, what the outcome of this will be. It's going to be a New Zealand win, sadly. But my God, do I want Australia to win? Now, this is Australia's best chance, in my humble opinion. But I don't think they've got enough. I don't think they're confident enough. No, no. The losses against England will be big. Now, the interesting difference between England play, when they played England a couple of months ago and now is they've brought back their French legion. So they've got Drew Mitchell, Adam Ashley Cooper, and most importantly, Matt, Matt Gitto. Gitto. Yeah. So with Matt Gitto pulling the strings at 12, because that was a position they really struggled with. They had Karevi, like you mentioned, and they had Lili Afano hovering around. Um, but Gitto can really unleash the outside backs that they've got. So that, that makes a big difference. It does. But not enough of a difference, in my opinion. I hope they can beat them. I really do. It'll be interesting to see, as we've already mentioned on the pod, um, just who starts at 7 and 10 for New Zealand because their best two players in the Super, in super Rugby are not the incumbents in Ardi Surveyor and Bowden Barrett. And I'd love to see those boys get a chance. Oh, please. And if, if those two start, n- absolutely zero chance for Australia. Hmm. I, I, although New Zealand did batter Wales in three tests... In the first half of each test, they looked vulnerable. They didn't look completely unstoppable. Now, I do believe that Australia are considerably better than Wales, and they're playing at home. I'm going to stick my neck out and say... No, I'm not. I'm going to say it's a New Zealand victory. I can't go in. I just can't. I just can't. I I just want Steve Hansen to come and stuck the miserable, miserable man. Uh, Any comment, Tim? Your opinion? Yes, I complete. I, I I agree with JB. I think it will be a, a different Australia team, but I think they're going to need to wind through the gears. So maybe come Bledisloe three potentially, uh, but I don't think I, I don't think even at home they're gonna they're gonna stand up to the challenge. Me neither. And then at four o five p.m., we've got South Africa hosting Argentina. The st- they, they need a name for this, and it should involve steak or beef in somewhere <laughs> in the name yes um, yes I see yeah uh, we'll come back to it yeah. uh, 
No, I simply don't understand this. There was some article written. I don't know whether just one of the players was caught off guard or what have you. But they effectively said, we said in South Africa, they are going to stick to what they know in South Africa and play in the Springbok style. I.e., they're not going to play... Excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) Well done, Drew. They are not going to play... um, in the style of the Lions, which have been super successful, got to the final, and dispatched two of New Zealand's, you know, very, very good teams this year. I don't know why, but they're just refusing to do it. And if they were smart, they would just pick 1-15 to Lions and then supplement them slowly with other players. Uh, Yeah, I can see that. There's an argument for a considerable number of Lions to be in that team. Yeah, and then against Argentina... I think Argentina are going to come and stuck big time here. And I think it's going to be a 18-point win to South Africa. Okay. I-, I think I think there'll be a comfortable look about it for South Africa as well. and I, Which is not what I was expecting to be saying off the back of the first year where most of the squads get to play together year-round. Yeah, we, we were expecting this to be the year where... Um, Argentina really kick on because the the basically ninety percent of their inter- international squad just plays with each other in the Jaguares. But uh, they oh they they play with each other. They're proper playboys together, but just not rugby. Yes, yeah, yeah. They're they're players, all right. <laughs> so I right. basically think it's going to be uh, New Zealand are going to win this whole thing, and when the, if they lose, I'm not entirely sure. I think it's going to be a straight shootout for second between Australia and South Africa, and that's and that'll be that. I'd go with I would go with that exactly, completely. And then, do you know what other uh, tournament starts on Saturday? Do I know what other tournament starts on Saturday? Um, don't tell me top fourteen. Yes, it is. Well done, Tim. It's inhumane. Oh my god! <laughs> this, is, this is is absolutely abhorrent. These boys should not be put back into the meat grinder <laughs> just yet. Oh, God. Earn your money. They've had... I, I make this I think, about the six... The thing I don't understand here, boys, is France has got a, a long, proud tradition of militant trade unionism. <laughs> what, 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 are they, what are the rugby players' <laughs> representatives doing? Yeah, you only need to read my Twitter to know I don't think much of trade unions, but this, <laughs> if there's ever been a case, yes. this oh, is I, it. Absolutely. This is it. It's now. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, they they only finished maybe six weeks ago this season. So pre-season presumably started the week after they finished and they're back into it already. Um, so let, let, them, let them put their feet up and chow down on some foie gras. Yeah, and some, red, some delicious, delicious red wine. Yeah, it's, um, it's a tough one, isn't it? It is. It's a very tough one. Um, I'm actually over in France in October, so I'm hoping to catch a... What, t- what are you doing there? It's a long game. Just going for a week. Honeymoon? Min- mini moon. Oh, right, okay. Stupid, stupid mini moon. Uh, and I'm not far. I'm in Nice for a few days, so I might try and... There's a, there's a Toulon game on the Friday night, so I might try and get over for it. Uh, how are you going to How are you going to sell this? Are you going to say, I've got two tickets to a show? <laughs> to the the pilu pilu, yeah. <laughs> what is it? You'll... It's a famous show. You will like it? It's all cultured. <laughs> yeah, to t- just tell her you have to like make confetti as part of it, which is just ripping up the newspaper and throwing it. Yeah, she'll love. She'll love all that. Yeah, she will do. <laughs> oh, you're in. Yeah, I, I might get on. I'd like to go to France to watch a few games. 
Yes. Live on the south of France. So, yeah, that'd be decent. Oh, uh, Egg Chaser Road Trip. I smell it coming on. Exactly right. Exactly yes. what I'm thinking. Definitely. We, we definitely we keep saying it. We need to get to uh, at least a couple of Champions Cup games this year. And we need to get to Belfast. Yes, definitely. No, well, no, no. no. As a, Phil as needs to go to Belfast. Emergency. Well, I am. I'm booked in to see Ulster against Edinburgh on the fourth of November. Oh, but that's in Edinburgh. It's marginally easier for me. Could we perhaps? Could we perhaps um, put a little play out? If there's, because uh, we, like you went to. I, I I missed out on this one, but you did an egg chasers trip to Chicago on Halloween. Which was, was, did we mention that? Oh yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Which was which was pretty spectacular for that New Zealand game. So if there's a, any if there's other any other time where a rugby game coincides with just an amazing time in uh, a far flung place. Let us know, and we'll come. Matter. Just, just let us know. Let us know. That sounds good. We're all about the. the oh, holistic I've got one for you, Tim. Aren't we? Tim, I've I've got one one for you. It's a veterans cool. tournament, but it's it sounds unreal. It's called the six. I think like it translates to like the six resorts tournament, and it is played in one of the ski resorts in the Alps. It's a French. It's a French tournament. Uh, Ian Bolshaw, like. Um, he organises all of the lads, all the English lads that used to play play in France, and they play on snow. Lovely, yeah. And each and each resort has its own team. Oh, I love that! Yeah, it's cool, isn't it? Oh, uh, I, I think we might need to go and cover that and give it, it the profile it deserves. Exactly. Well, um, absolutely. I think we might be a bit late because the final actually goes on French TV. <laughs> Does it? Yeah. Wow. So yeah, that's ex- that. There's that one, and there's also a tournament in Bermuda, which is hosted by WWE legend JBL. <laughs> oh wow! Was it Quinns and Saracens and Sailor went out for it this year? Yeah, and they rotate like the teams that go out. Yeah, yeah, we could do with going to that one. Yes. Mm. Right. Well, let's, let's let's get working on these boys. Let's get let's get diaries out sometime soon. Yes, exactly. definitely. Um, so fortunately, well, unfortunately for the top fourteen players, they're playing again. But uh, as we've looked at every Aviva Premiership side, we we need to start casting our eyes over some of these Pro Twelve teams. And I know Phil that you particularly have been having a little gander at the Welsh Pro Twelve sides. I have. I've been spending a little bit of time reviewing their ins and outs. Some quite interesting ins and outs for some of these regions as well. There are, and I think overall, I'm. Probably feeling positive towards the uh, the Welsh regions. Okay, and I think they've they've all, bar probably the Dragons who've lost Toby Falatau, they've all not done some bad bits of business here. Um, and I think they've they've probably brought in more talent than they've they've lost. Far away. So starting with the Cardiff Blues, um, they've lost a lot of players by um, quantity, but not a huge amount of quality who's gone, a load of kind of no-name players. The biggest loss is Rhys Patchell, who's stayed in Wales and gone to the Scarlets. But they've brought in Nick Williams from Ulster as a ball-carrying number eight, okay. who's very good. They brought in Matthew Morgan as a 15. They brought in Stephen Shingler from the Scarlets and Willis Halaholo from the Hurricanes in the centre. So you'd say that they're net definitely up on that those transactions. Um, moving on... Mm. Dragons, they have lost Falatau, who is pretty much irreplaceable. Um, unless you're going to bring in one of the one of well, uh, Billy Vunapola or, or Louis Pickamall, Nathan Hughes or Louis Pickamall or someone uh, someone like that. So that's what they've done, yeah? Uh, not exactly. Mm. 
Um, they brought in Craig Mitchell from the Cardiff Blues as a prop. Um, Great. And a few other players, none of whom are... Jump, jump out particularly. Yeah. I, I, so they're, they're you're selling this to me. I can't wait for the new Pro 12 season. They're at a net loss. Then Ospreys, they're they're broadly the same squad. Uh, again, they've lost lost a few players who you wouldn't worry about, uh, and let, released a few players. Their biggest loss is probably Aaron Jarvis to Claremont. Yeah, but and that's not a big loss. No, it's not. Well, no. actually, he's not the only prop to go to Claremont. Who? There's a prop from the Cardiff Blues who used to play at RGC who got released by the Blues and then picked up by bloody Claremont. Wow. So there's actually two Welsh props at Claremont. Claremont, wow. Well, of Ospreys, they've brought in Bradley Davis um, from Wasps. Good so signing. Bradley Davis and... Um, and uh, Alan Wynne-Jones? Alan Wynne-Jones, AWJ. That's a pretty handy second row. It's not bad, is it? Uh They've also brought in uh, Kieran Fonatia, who's a Crusaders utility back, centre winger, who's a handy player. So to, again, on the if you look at it in the round, they're up. Yeah, they've got a big name coming back. And then the Scarlets, right? And then Scarlets again. There's a lot of players gone, but not a huge amount of quality. I mean, you've got some players like uh, Michael Tagithakin Bow, who's gone to Treviso. Um, Regan, Regan King, who's gone to Jersey Reds, um, who who are Jersey Reds? Well, Jersey. Oh, was Jersey, that what they're called Jersey Reds? Jersey, yeah. Mm. Um, and they brought in so JD two. Yep, is back. Reese Pratchell's come in. Nice. Um, Johnny McNichol from the Crusaders, a winger. That's good. Is a bloody good signing. Uh, and they've brought in Rainer Bernardo. Uh, who's second come row? In, is he come from Ospreys? He's come in from Ospreys, yeah. yeah, as a second row. But South African second row. So, and uh, Werner, Werner Kruger from the Bulls, who's a prop. He's, uh, he's a young... Mm. Uh, sorry, not young. <laughs> he's a South African prop so, with a lot of Super Rugby experience. So again, you feel on the whole, they've all, they'll all be a little bit stronger than they were last year. Yeah. Well, uh, I've heard, apparently... Uh, that the reason that the Welsh... I've, I've always disliked the Welsh regions, really. I mean, I've not, <laughs> not been a massive fan of them. And one of the reasons is the attendance is low. I think, you know, it's all a, it's just a bit of a mess. And I never thought of it like this, but apparently the reason that no-one goes to watch, and when you consider these factors, it does make a lot of sense. When they decided to regionalise, you went from, like, 12 professional clubs to four, right? Now, of those four professional clubs, which is the only one which represents a region? Uh, my geography of South Wales isn't very good, so... Say again? Which is the only one, if you think about it, which is the only one which represents the region, i.e. it isn't just a former club? I don't know. Oh, Ospreys. Ospreys, Ospreys of course. Ah, okay. So if you Neath think... Neath and Swansea. Neath and Swansea, right? So if you've got, like, Cardiff Blues, they're just a club who basically talk, you know, basically are responsible for the downfall of Pontypridd and all the, uh, you know, and all the valleys. Newport is Newport, and then Scarlet's a... Uh, uh, um, off Ethley. So the mega clubs are not really regions, whereas Ospreys are a region, and that's why Ospreys tend to have a little bit more in the way of crowds. But also, their jersey is the second highest selling jersey, I think, either in the UK or certainly in the Pro 12. It's <laughs> yeah. up there. Yeah. 
And that's the reason it doesn't work, because there's actually pockets of White South Wales that define themselves by how much they hate their local region. Because they got forced into it from uh, a local club. Yeah, it's the equivalent of saying to a City fan, we're going to merge Man City and Manchester United, and we're going to call, give the region the name Manchester Red Devils. What well, do you remember... Um, I was living in Bath at the time when that was that very nearly happened between Bath and Bristol. Did it? It very nearly happened that they built a new stadium somewhere, I think, near Canesham, which is a little town on the A4 in between Bath and Bristol, and they almost built a brand-new purpose-built stadium and joined the two teams together because Bristol had some financial problems. Bath couldn't get a new stadium. Yeah, it, it nearly happened. Yeah, well, I'd tell you the other one that nearly happened, they had meetings about it and all the rest of it, Sale Sharks and Broughton Park, because Broughton Park used to be a big kind of amateur club. When it's in professional, that was the meeting. Those were the two clubs that were planning to go professional together. Really? Mm. Yeah, Broughton Park, <laughs> Broughton Park said no, and it worked out great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that worked out well. Uh, so, uh, Welsh regions, do you think, are going to go better than last year? Better than last year? Um, I would say yes. Um, the, the two two advantages. I think the squads are a little bit stronger, and also um, they will lose. Obviously, they won't be as impacted by the internationals as yeah. they were last year. Because like, Ospreys two seasons ago were the best team, got into the final, definitely top four. Uh, and last season were very weak because of the World Cup and because of the Six Nations. They lost yeah. half their team. Well, I guess good news is it can't get much worse, can it? So true. The only way is up. The only way is up. True that. Uh, anything else, boys? Uh, but let me have a look. Let me have a look. Oh, we've mentioned Gloucester's kit, haven't we? And so, fair play. Was there any other? The England kit was uh, brought out as well. That was all right. Pretty standard. Uh, oh, well, can I just say I love the patch. I love the rose on a patch. Yeah, and I, I like the collar detailing, even though it's not a proper collar. Yeah, I kind of like the detailing around it. Yeah, Grandad collars are interesting, aren't they? I mean, I'd rather not have one. But you know, I mean, what, what is really the point in it? <sighs> Yeah, but actually, just, they, they've got to change it every year. The kit looks good. I think Canterbury have kind of gone a little bit retro with it, man. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Phil Rowe tweeted us to at Rugby Podcast uh, after the Gloucester kit. We, we tweeted about it, and he said, uh, "Wow!" Uh, in response to the Gloucester kit, I'm really jealous as a Worcester fan. We got a grilled pineapple chain shirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Worcester are not a bad look. Oh, hell on! We also missed out the Newcastle kit a few weeks ago, which is bright orange. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I, I saw that in the Sing Sevens, the grey yeah. and orange one. Yeah, no, orange. Oh yeah, not sure about that. This is a club that needs to establish, re-establish their identity quickly. We know that they play in black and white. I think they've realised that as well somehow, haven't they? They've kind of conclusion. Yeah, black and white. That's our primary colours. Not yeah, the third colour. Their um, their training stash with the green detail. That white fleece that Dean Ryan wore. <laughs> Dean, Dean Richards. Dean Richards. Dean Richards. Sorry. Horrendous, horrendous. So they've now ditched the yellow, the green. It looks like their third colour is orange. Their third colour has always been like a yellow, I seem to remember. In fact, I think it was on the home shirt as well. So you'd have black and white hoops and like a, a thin yellow stripe and there'd be yellow on the badge when they had the fine old badge, not the you know artistic falcon, which I've got now. That's what they need to go back to. Yeah. Now, we've done a very good job, even if I say so myself, of sa- of saving Gloucester Rugby Club, and I think it's our <laughs> it's our duty, quite frankly, now. To go- oh no, Tim's gone. Oh, Tim's died. Oh well, we'll we'll finish off without him. It's it's our duty now to save Newcastle. Ooh. No, I think Tim's back. Incoming. Hello, hello. 
Um, I think I, I think my uh, my phone was just that offended by Newcastle's stash. <laughs> it's horrendous. Isn't it? I was just saying, right? It should be black, white, third colour, yellow. Did either of you yeah, see? Yeah, optional, optional third colour, yellow. Yeah, well, that yeah. Was, I'm sure that was on their badge too. Yeah, I'm sure it was on their badge and the original kit because you've got to remember Newcastle is a combination, I think, of two clubs. Is it not? Uh, Newcastle Gosforth Gosforth I think Gosforth Gosforth and Newcastle I guess yeah. yeah so they should they should go back to that go back to their old go back to their old badge it'll be a lot better for everyone well yeah, look what happens when you just honour tradition Gloucester have taken a, a huge stride forwards yes agreed have, uh, have either of you seen the new uh, Cardiff Blues kits that were released this week I have briefly show me them again they are... We now know what happened to Wasp's home kit. Yes. Cardiff stole it as their third jersey. Okay. I see I, I like these. No. They're, they're a good they're a good fit. They 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 are all full hoops, although they're trying three very different uh, thicknesses of hoops. And a bit disappointingly the probably the best proportion hoops are on the Pinkham Navy kit. Yeah, so a couple of things here. Uh for a start, Cardiff Blues don't wear hoops, they wear quarters, so let's abandon that immediately. <laughs> okay, this is one of the times where we don't have hoops. Uh second of all. Um, yeah, what would uh, just on that, what would what would Quinn's fans say if suddenly they had multicoloured hoops? hoops? I, uh, no yeah. way. Yeah, they'd they'd be violently ill. <laughs> uh so the other thing is the orange and black. Now, the orange and black is the Stay Strong for O stuff, yeah? Is that still the case? Or was that just a third yes. kit? Uh, I, um, I don't know. I think it is linked to that. I think it is linked to that. So they get a pass. But they don't really get a pass because oh, it should really be the Newport kit. That's what, that's what <laughs> yeah, the Newport... That's, that is what Newport kit should so look like. So you've got this perverse situation of Newport wearing blue against Cardiff wearing Newport's kits. Yeah, we're in predominantly amber. Yeah, and the last one is that pink and navy blue one. Now, no one can argue pink and navy blue stripes don't look good together. They undoubtedly do. But since when has Cardiff blue worn pink and navy blue? And in addition to that, Gloucester had exactly the same kit a few years ago. Look at the socks. I, I really like that, that pink yeah, and navy look, blue. look, I like it too for a club that wears pink and navy blue. But they don't, do they? I mean, they're the Cardiff blues. So maybe they should uh, go and rethink that. They should have a quartered blue blue top and they should have an all-white away top. And that will be the end of that. And uh, just the classic sky blue, dark blue, it, 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 it looks good. It looks good. Get back to it. When, yeah. when did Cardiff Blues last play in quarters? Oh, I wouldn't be surprised if the last time they played in quarters was when they were actually Cardiff R- Rugby Club rather than Cardiff Blues. Yeah, I don't mind the hoops. I remember them wearing the, the, the some sort of kind of... Well, it wasn't hoops, but it was like uh, it, they wore non-quarters when they were in the Europe, uh, Heineken Cup final and Martin Williams was drop-goaling with Jordan Crane of Leicester. Did they wear quarters? Oh, yes. I'm not no, sure. they weren't in quarters. No, they, weren't no, they, quarters. Were. they were in like gradual, thicker like, as you got down. It was pretty horrible, but, but um, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty... It was, it, it was a hooped of some description. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that they abandoned the quarters when they went into a, a region. So that yeah. could be why they don't do it. But, you know, you may as well, because it's, you know, who are you trying to kid? It is the Cardiff Blues, isn't it? It is Cardiff Rugby Club, basically. It is. So, there. Done. Yeah. <laughs> you bet. Um, right. Oh, yeah, we, we we missed out an end of pod hashtag last week, which a lot of people were disappointed about. We what, are we actually still forgot. doing that? 
Yeah, we well, should. Yeah, just that, you know, we, we're throwing those. It, it's a little. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Badge of honor for a little secret club for those for those listeners of ours that we know listen right to the very end and don't miss a beat. Okay, well... Just like, you know, just like... Um, Andy Goode never misses a minute of preseason training. That's exactly uh, right. Never miss, never miss a minute of the podcast. So we should do a, an end of pod hashtag. Well, I don't think because anyone, if uh, I don't think anyone's going to argue with the hashtag that that I've got, Tim. Oh right, okay. So yeah, just to, just to reiterate though, before we do, if um, if you use the end of podcast hashtag, you are saying that you listen right to the end, and you're one of our disciples and one of the very special. I was going to say one of those very special few, but a surprising number of people. Uh, use the hashtag, which yeah. is fantastic. That's but, exactly what you are. You're not an easily led fool. You're not that. Yes, <laughs> yes, you're definitely not that. But should, as and when we come by some top stash, which we often get deliveries uh, from time to time, when we distribute it out, it will be to people that use this hashtag. So uh, thank you in advance. What were you thinking then, Jay? <laughs> well, I think there's only one hashtag for this week, and it's Iron Lion Ben Ryan. Like a lion, Ben Ryan. <laughs> Or Lion what about Ryan? Iron Zion Ben Ryan. <laughs> That's too long. <laughs> Lion Ben Ryan. Lion Ben Ryan. Lion Ben. I like Iron 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 Lion. Iron Lion Ryan. There you go. Iron Lion Ryan. <laughs> Hashtag Iron Lion Ryan. There we yes. go. Perfect. Love it. Love it. Love it. Excellent, boys. Shall we? Uh, shall we go home? Let's, uh, let's yes, go home. Fr- well, from uh, from sunny Gloucester, uh, I'm checking out. And this time next week, we'll have some actual international rugby to talk about. So that'd be great. Yes, amazing, amazing. Right. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. All right, mate. I will catch you in the week. See you soon. Bye-bye. Cheers, Tim. Bye. Bye. <laughs> 